Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, a breathwork teacher, and I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Bunny Dougal. Bunny Dougal is the principal representative of the Baha'i international community to the United Nations. She's a human rights expert and has devoted her career towards advancing the rights of women and children and promoting freedom of worship around the world. The Baha'i faith has a beautiful proverb that I'm going to share, which is the human race as a distinct organic unit has passed through evolutionary stages analogous to the stages of infancy and childhood in the lives of its individual members and is now in the culminating period of its turbulent adolescence, approaching its long-awaited coming of age. And that is with a subtitle, The Promise of World Peace. And so with these words and that context, welcome to the show, Bunny. Thank you. Thank you very much, Julia. It's a pleasure yeah. to be with you. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you, have you on the line today and, and, and hear more about the Baha'i faith, hear more about this promise of world peace and you know, all the work in the world that is, that is being done since, since decades and centuries on, on bringing, you know, people together to actually organize, let's say, through this turbulent adolescence. You know, I, I really like that metaphor. So maybe, um, Bunny, if you don't mind, share a little bit about the Baha'i faith for people that don't know in regards to the principles of unity and the principles of harmony as a little introduction. Sure. Uh, so the central aim um, of the Baha'i faith is really uh, that Baha'is believe that the crucial need facing humanity is to find a unifying vision of the future of society and the nature and purpose of life. And uh, such a vision unfolds in the writings of uh, Baha'u'llah and uh, throughout history, God has um, sent a series of divine educators and or manifestations of uh, God, whose teachings provide the basis uh, for the advancement of civilization. And Baha'u'llah, we believe, is the latest of these. And he explained that the religions of the world come from the same source and are successive chapters um, of one religion from God. And uh, as you mentioned, this, um, uh, you know, the promise of world peace is one of the beliefs. Uh, peace is the goal that all um, Baha'is and work, are working with others to achieve because we believe that there will be an age when um, humankind will live in uh, greater and greater dimensions, realize greater and greater dimensions of peace through unity and justice, which are some of the core principles uh, that we uh, work towards. And uh, some of the central beliefs of the Baha'i faith are the oneness of God and religion, um, that all religions come from the same God and there's a progression of, uh, of uh, manifestations just as mankind uh, matures. Um, we are learning the truths from God through these manifestations. And another core principle is the oneness of humanity and freedom from prejudice. The principle of oneness uh, of humanity is both a goal and um, 
um, you know, an operating principle for uh, Baha'is, for um, the work that we are doing. And uh, another core principle is uh, the basic and inherent nobility of the human being, that all human beings are created noble, and they all have the capacity to work alongside others for the progress and development of their societies. So you won't find Baha'is doing, um, you know, working for others, we work with others. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then there's the principle of the integration of worship and service. Um, there's the fundamental um, equality, understanding of the equality of the sexes, that women and men are equal. The harmony between religion and science. Um, I, I think I was mentioning that, you know, without uh, uh, science, religion is just superstition, a set of superstitions in a sense. And without uh, religion, science lacks spirit and, you know, in mm -hmm. a real meaning and sense of purpose. And then another principle is the centrality of justice in all human endeavors. The importance of education is another. Baha'is all over the world uh, lay a lot of stress on um, education. And this is not just book learning in schools, but it's um, every individual is uh, bound to continue learning all through one's life and generating knowledge which we share with others and also to deepen and and grow our understanding for the purpose of being and living. And, uh, and then the, uh, another area of work where we uh, work very closely are uh, building these close dynamics of relationships that bind together individuals, communities, and institutions, um, you know, as humanity is advancing to its collective maturity, which, you know, you mentioned from that quote as well, that um, we believe that um, as mankind matures, we will have the uh, traits of, you know, a mature um, uh, society and, and eventually with that will come a time of peace and conflict mm -hmm. will, uh, will end or at least lessen greatly and right. we learn better how to uh, how to resolve conflicts. So that, Beautiful. in a yeah. nutshell, are the teachings. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for catching all of us up that have, you know, heard of Baha'i maybe only a few times or are, you know, new to Baha'i faith as, as you know, and um, yeah, as a system almost, you know, of, of, of belief and of faith. And it, it's so beautiful to see, you know, the integration of various aspects that are yeah, it's such a, an integral part of our societies, no matter where we're from, um, and connecting that to faith. And I think there is an, I will totally butcher it, so I, I, won't, I won't try to quote it, but there's an Albert Einstein quote along the line of the science and spirituality needing to merge at some point in, in his future, and we live in his future. So, you know, it, it, to me, it, that feels somewhat reasonable, but also somewhat like it makes my heart sing, this idea that, you know, we, we could unite people rather than having them in different camps but understand that i love what you said there science without you know spirituality there's there's a lack there's a lack of, of of spirit and and spirit is after all i feel like what connects all life you know and so 
what a beautiful setup for our conversation today. I'd love to understand quite a bit more about the education principle. Um, I, I often ask the question much later in the interviews, but I'm going to just start with you right there, because what I heard is like the principle of lifelong learning, which I think is fundamentally important. But then maybe I'll just ask you um, this question in a cheeky way. If you or a team of experts around you could revolutionize the way our education systems are set up, what would you do? What are the ideas you're already standing for there? Yes, thank you. That's that's a very good question, because even though you know we often hear universal learning, I mean universal education, and that's very important, and we believe that. But it's the quality of education which is the most important. And so, uh, we, we would, I, I believe, I would um, set up an educational system which allows for every individual to develop the capacity to contribute to the well-being of uh, society. And the well-being of one's community would be the, the most important um, aspect of this learning because I, I believe the education we have today is excellent in some places, but it's not equal and equally accessible by all. So it's, you know, some people get a better education than others. But in any case, the education that we receive today is very much materially focused. It's about uh, gaining more material um, assets and working towards developing the world in material terms, which is important. But I think we need to also think about the well-being of uh, humankind mm -hmm. and develop th those capacities which will uh, contribute to building unity and justice and uh, well-being for all people and that uh, you know the, the wealth of the world should not be uh, in the hands of you know just a few individuals at this time I believe it's eight men or seven men now uh, in the West, <laughs> but uh, but you know if uh, the, <clears throat> the material well-being should be uh, distributed more evenly, but human beings have the capacity. Everybody has the capacity to learn and grow, and contribute. And so it is that kind of education that we would be promoting. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I I hear you loud and clear on that. I think it's. You know, we've inherited systems, um, both financial systems, uh, federal banking systems, but also educational systems that they might have worked at a certain time, but the way they're working now in the 21st century, in, in 2020, where our world has increasingly um, globalized for, for, for good and for worse, you know, and for the, on the good side, humans are already, as we kind of said earlier, like um, unifying quite a bit more, maturing and understanding a, a lot of our differences as opportunities, right? And so our education and the way we distribute wealth and the way we use wealth kind of needs to catch up with that quite, quite a bit. And so another question I have on that note is, what do, you, what do you believe is needed for humanity to gain the ability to learn from past mistakes, either quicker or at all, right? Because we've, we've made a lot of mistakes in this world, which they should teach us right away, but it seems like we're, we're pretty slow at learning. Yes. 
Uh, that's a very good question. And, and I think um, the answer is that <clears throat> as we are maturing uh, together, I think to be able to gain the new understanding that's being revealed before us. So again, as Baha'i, as I said, we believe in progressive revelation. So in fact, we believe in this progression of understanding and of knowledge. And this knowledge has to be generated. I mean, we talk about peace, but nobody knows what that time is going to look like when we are all living in peace, when there's equality. One of uh, the principles of the Baha'i faith is equality, gender equality and equality of the races. We don't know what that's going to look like. So I think it's, a, it's, it's an ongoing endeavor to generate the knowledge, to understand better as to how we are progressing. And so um, I think, we learn from our mistakes, but it's not only by looking backwards, but we have to have our eye in the far future when to look at the world we want to build. Mm. And if we are looking to build that perfect world where we are living in harmony with love and understanding amongst all the peoples of the world, in this sense of oneness that we are all on this planet together, and we are one big family, then I think it'll happen. So it's keeping the eye on, you know, the goal in the future, but also knowing that certain uh, patterns of behavior do not help us progress. Mm. Yeah, I like how you just opened the timeline there in, in your answer in, in terms of like, you know, it's all right now, but really both the, the past and the future play, play a really big, big way in how we approach life. That's a very curious question. And, you know, it, it comes up in a lot of conversations. Um, literally, I just had a, a, a dinner group, um, one of the first dinner groups I, I was able to host after the, the, the thick of the coronavirus. And um, we talked about this quite a bit yesterday night. Um, and I want to bring it into this conversation. Like, how do we even measure the success of world peace or the success of equality of races? As right now in, in the world, we, we have this this wound of uh, inequality show up and, and there's such a big opportunity for reconciliation. But then when we were people from all walks of life yesterday of all different ethnicities as well, and which was a great coincidence. And we, we kind of all were a, like a little silent on, on the answer to how is it going to really look? Because it's hard to imagine something that you haven't stretched your imagination to. And so practicing that together, like, I think that's where faith really comes in as well. So how, how, can, that, how can that look? Or how, is that, how does it work in, in, in your heart space and in your mind space to, to understand there, there will be a time where there is a, a version of us that has achieved certain things like that. Maybe not utopia, but, but, but you know, um, progressed on the spectrum uh, quite a bit forward. Well, in a sense, we can already see that because the world has, humanity has progressed a lot. I mean, you come from Europe and about 80 years ago, all of Europe was uh, at war. And, uh, and now, uh, you know, 75 years later or uh, since the ending of the Second World War, we see a united Europe and uh, 
And I believe the world is moving in that direction that we will eventually come to that. Um, as Baha'is, you know, we, uh, there's this element of being and doing. So, of course, you know, we want to be good human beings like most people of faith and we are, uh, and most people. Um, and we, we learn and study uh, our writings and, and others' um, spiritual writings in order to become better human beings. But we believe that it's not only in the being, but also in action. So everything we do is rooted in action. And we are working alongside other individuals for the betterment of society. Because it's only once every individual is a protagonist in their own development, in the development of their society. And by that, I don't mean uh, mature adults. I even mean youth and junior youth have the capacity to imagine what this better world would look like and start putting that into practice. Mm. Whether it be by engaging in discourses in society that need to take place, or if it's uh, in areas of social action, as simple as cleaning the beach or, uh, you know, working towards uh, helping uh, the sick or, you know, whatever little action that people may wish to do in their communities, but it's really to help advance the community as a whole. So these are little <coughs> windows into that future that, you know, we all envision. That's such a powerful answer, especially the youth and the young ones. I, I trust and I, I know also that there is, there's quite a bit of imagination for a world that works for everyone. It's, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a curious, that's a, a curious part of, of my being is to consistently understand, like, how can we, how can we hear different voices of society much louder than we're currently hearing them and youth and, and, and children, as well as um, elders that, that have like real elder roles rather than those who just try to grab for power, I think is a very important part of that balance. Yeah, I have another question for you. And that has to do with your work with the Interfaith Alliance and interfaith in general. You know, this is, I think, sure. another really important principle of, of the Baha'i faith is to like work with and collaborate, as you said, because that's the context in how we got introduced as well in the, the work with the Interfaith Faith Alliance. Yes. So as I was mentioning, I, well, I wasn't mentioning, but you introduced me as such. I, I represent the Baha'i international community to the UN. And in that role, uh, my colleagues and I are um, always engaging with other groups, um, like-minded groups, other groups that may not be exactly like-minded, but they're working at the UN on um, issues uh, engaging in the discourses of um, humanity as at the level of international policy <clears throat> in the UN setting. And in that uh, light, we also engage with other faith-based faith organizations and alliances. And the Interfaith Alliance for Safer Communities is one of those. And uh, it's a movement that uh, has uh, faith-based organizations, faith leaders, um, businesses, civil society actors, and NGOs all coming together for contributing towards their uh, society, to making, building a better society. 
and uh, we've been working in the area of um, uh, <clears throat> combating hate crime and uh, it could be vet rhetoric or even um, actions that are hateful and also on online uh, exploitation primarily of uh, children and online sexual exploitation which is on the rise so those are some of the areas but we are expanding and working together with others so it's really a coalition of uh, faith actors with business actors and others you know the alliance has this tremendous capacity to to bring together to convene uh, individuals from different walks of life and if they work cooperatively they'd be um, you know we have the capacity to make the difference that's required um, yeah, I also work with other uh, interfaith alliances. There's the Multi-Faith Advisory Council to the UN and also made up of a number of faith-based organizations. So that's something that we do quite a bit. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think the, the idea of collaborating with like minds or even with groups that are, you know, just have maybe more differences on the surface, but like deep, deep down are, are still you know, truly connecting obviously as one human family, but then also with, with a lot of our, a lot of our goals or agendas, when we look deeper into them and we, we go beyond the, um, yeah, just beyond the headlines in that sense, there, there's, there's always a form of synergy. And, you know, I, I wonder with topics like what you said about online crime and, and like also online um, sexual crimes, like what does it take to have a world where we are so transparent as humans, like a stage of our own evolution, of our own consciousness, where we can be so transparent that things are visible um, and we can therefore really move away from any criminal or any like, um, yeah, the opposite of life affirming, like life denying, you know, um, kind of principles, but yet feel free enough that we're not watched by Big Brother. Have you, have you looked into that kind of contradiction, right? Like we need that form of transparency, but yet people are really somewhat afraid that they'll, they'll be watched nonstop. Is, is there a middle way, like a Wu way uh, that we can- Well, you know, I think one of, one of the uh, reasons why the Interfaith Alliance uh, for Safer Communities started this engagement, this movement with faith uh, leaders is because faith has a way of, uh, calling people to their higher nature rather than, you know, um, the, the lower end of, uh, you know, the temptations and the criminal thoughts and behaviors that we find in society. And faith actors um, have the capacity to affect behavioral change. Now, not everyone <clears throat> believes in, um, in, in religion. However, I think at the core, everybody has that yearning for the divine and has the capacity to uh, overcome um, actions and thoughts and, uh, you know, that, that uh, the prurient sensibilities or the, the material, uh, the worst of the material uh, mm -hmm. uh, part of our nature, which is what uh, leads them to uh, engage in uh, criminal activity, in hateful activity. 
in uh, the dark web. And there's a lot of money being made, the billions and billions. It's an industry which sadly is being supported by um, some leaders, some, you know, people know that this exists. And I'm sure if we know that there's this dark web and with all the capacity and resources of, available to us, we can... Uh, it's we time can to lift those curtains, it. lift those wheels. That's, that's for sure. You know, the, it is. Is, is that time this, to, to step forward in our evolution? Like, you know, yes. evolution, I think the principle that we're believing in as, as people comes to Darwinian kind of um, philosophy, right? Which is survival of the fittest, which ultimately means of the most adapted. And so as we're adapting as a species, we, we got to adapt to those kind of, you know, you call it like the dark web or the deep web where, where things look like they're, they're hidden away. But, but really, I think um, a lot of people have, intuitions and feelings and kind of there's a lot of research that can be done into all of the our criminal history and and this is why i asked earlier how do we how do we learn from our past mistakes right and so it's it's a, a real pursuit that i think is very important as well and is not often talked about because it's not that fun to talk about it you know it's not that it's not only light and bliss to talk about that true yeah so thank you for going there for for a little bit um definitely definitely a, a, a lot of work to do on this planet that's that's why we're all here to to celebrate our differences ultimately so i have a and question thank for you, you. Oh, yeah. for doing what i was going to say thank you for doing what you're doing because often um conversations like this are not the ones that are being broadcast it's you know uh the darkness of the world that is being broadcast by media and I really think that the media has a role to play as well, <clears throat> and all kinds of media. So I'm, I'm putting you in that because it's uh, social media that you're promoting uh, an uplifting discourse, one that uh, is inspiring to others rather than dragging us down into uh, <clears throat> places where, you know, it's easy to go. But yeah. There's a lot that could be said about that. I mean, for, for one, every conversation we're having, if it is recorded or not, is part of the nervous system of our species, right? If we were to compare ourselves with the trees and the mycelium of this planet, they all communicate in a way that is hyper-intelligent to, to what we're perceiving. But we are actually, too, we're just becoming aware of it and seeing and learning it. And so every conversation radiates energy. But then beyond that, I think, you know, uh, one, of, one of my previous guests, Charles Eisenstein, said that in an interview, the storytellers are coming late to the table. The storytellers of this new earth, the storytellers of this, this uh, better world that, you know, our hearts know is possible. And I think what he meant by that, if, if I can interpret that, is that there is a massive media, um, you know, machine going on that has impregnated everyone's mind with with images that you know normalize things or help us to just look away from certain things and so this has been going on for decades and decades you know you mentioned earlier i'm, I'm european so growing up in in germany when i grew up in you know the, the late 80s early 90s when um i always associate growing up in germany with like the unifying energy of the berlin wall coming down but the truth is we had to learn a lot about the second world war history um, from like age 10 to 18 it was like non-stop in school we were educated over and over again and so the role of propaganda 
played the, played one of the biggest roles to to brainwash people that fastly, right? And and possibly when we look at our planet a uh, hundred years in the future and we look back at these times, we look back at 1950 to 2010 and 20, we might see that there's a lot more propaganda going on than, than we, we currently understand. And so time to lift our eyes um, on a new horizon. And so that's, that's why I'm having you on today too, because those conversations and, and, and hearing that from someone like you is, is so important for everyone listening. It's so important to understand that we got to really actively engage in the process of evolution. It's not just something we read in a book. And everyone can do it. And I think all of us have the responsibility. So we can't keep waiting for our leaders in our countries to uh, do that. We do believe that they are the ones who will uh, bring about this age of peace by making treaties, etc., with other countries, but um, it's people like you and I and others that we work with that are the leaven that'll make it happen, you know. So. 100%. It's about what we're embodying and living right here. And so I have a question that relates with all of that. And maybe you can answer it from a personal perspective, um, whatever resonates most. And my question, Bunny, is, is what is required for you to experience trust, either in an interaction, with another person or with an organization or, or in, in life in general? Thank you. That is a very good question because trust, I believe, is one of the key uh, ingredients in any relationship. And it could be a personal relationship between a mother and a child or a, uh, between a, a husband and wife, um, a leader and this, uh, you know, population in the country or between countries. And we are experiencing a time where trust is being eroded and uh, there's a great deal of insecurity uh, being felt today. And I think that trust is key. And in order to um, bring trust back into relationships, we have to act in trustworthy ways. So I think, again, the onus is on every individual to conduct themselves in a way and build societies that are, um, you know, the bedrock of which is justice and unity and the trust will come. Yeah, let that, let, let, let that sink in, you know, that's, that's, that's very true. And so, one of the other questions I, I always ask, and I'm so curious for your answer, it has to do with Earth vision um, or your dream for the planet. And you did that earlier quite a bit already. It's like the zooming out on the timeline beyond our maybe our individual ego existence as, as who we are as, 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 per, as people or as persons, but in a seven generational context. So, you know, looking back, seven generations is maybe a little easier, but when we look forward, and we, we, we say, how can we be good ancestors to the future? What, what comes to mind there? What is the earth vision that you're feeling and seeing and sensing? Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up at a time when uh, my grandparents and others, even though you know, they came from privilege uh, in a country where you know, there were a lot of poor people as well, we, we, 
we were taught to, you know, cut the cloth according to what we needed to use. You know, it was to live within one's means and to, in, in today's language, we'd say, you know, sh shorten our, our footprint. So to consume what, what's uh, required, but not overextend ourselves. Every, every human being has, uh, you know, a role and a space in this world and not to take up more space than uh, we are required to, to, to be contributing more than to be consuming, to be giving back more than we get. And, and I think if we all live as responsible citizens and take care of our surroundings and the people around us, we will leave that legacy for future generations to do the same. Uh, a lot has been eroded already. We've lived in uh, with a lot of excess. And, uh, but I think it's time to begin to turn it around. The consciousness is there and it's growing. And uh, hopefully again, by the work you are doing and that others are doing and my organization is doing, we will begin to, uh, you know, return that trust to the to the future generations, mm. the one that we received from the earlier ones. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you there too. Like, how are you in a in in that context choosing optimism uh, on a daily basis to return to that optimism that yes, it's actually possible. Yes, it's actually our evolutionary trajectory. Well, as Baha'is, we are optimistic because we believe that there will be a time and we have a lot of faith in humankind and the capacities of human beings. And we are, after all, divine beings being guided at some level from a divine source. And uh, yes, mistakes will be made, but we will learn from those mistakes. And this is an ever advancing civilization. We believe that we will go on to that time when there will be peace and we'll be living in a world that is uh, uh, based on the principles of justice and equality and consideration for all. And the earth will be taken care of. Uh, so it's, it just comes, the optimism comes from this understanding that we can do it. Mm -hmm. And the nobility of human beings and the goodness, the inherent goodness of uh, people. And I tr truly believe, as do many others, that, you know, we are all in this together. And we just have to um, rise to that level of um, a better understanding of um, the interconnectedness. And I, I believe this horrible time that we are experiencing with this pandemic of uh, coronavirus is bringing us to that realization. Some people are resisting it, but already with all these lockdowns and this, uh, you know, lowering of the pressure on our planet, we are seeing birds and blue skies in New Delhi in the middle of summer, which was almost uh, unheard of for the past uh, three decades or so. So it's uh, it's showing us that it's possible. Mm. If just one month of lockdown can provide this, I think with just a few change behaviors, we are going to be looking at a much greener, 
brighter, beautiful planet and all the people within. Yeah, beautifully put. I think this is one of the, one of the, the many actually positive um, revelations that we can already track. Um, you know, sometimes it does take unfortunate events for people to open their eyes even more, right? And so what a, what a beautiful repercussion Mother Nature is showing us that the moment we stop our industries, and I, mean, I have to chuckle about this at this point, and we scale it back to only what's essential, which, you know, shouldn't we just build an economy around what's essential then in the first place and, and stop doing all the superfluous things that are not actually increasing the real quality of life. But the moment we do that, you know, and the moment we do that, nature comes back. And this happened everywhere in the world. I mean, even, even here in San Francisco, where I'm recording this interview, like, you know, you, you, you started seeing from hawks to hummingbirds to the coyotes, all of, all of the, the animals in Golden Gate Park, which is ultimately, I mean, still a very natural zone, started showing up a lot more. And, and you know, you can, you can see the air quality is getting better. And so long story short, I think, you know, this was on no one's scientific um, agenda or scientific calculation of where we're going. And so all these calculations now need to be redone because if we can, within one month or two months or three months, see such a positive repercussion, then I'm sure we also have the imagination to, to find a way forward. And we're seeing it, right? There's countries like um, Germany and France and uh, the UK even, you know, that, that, are, that are showing that they don't want to go uh, back to normal, but want to really use this as a, uh, a chance to, to, you know, rebuild into a much greener way of economy, um, including all the people that, that actually are building the economy as well. Beautiful. Well, Bunny, do you have any closing words, any, any sentiments, any, anything that we want to, any intentions, any maybe call to actions where people can find out more or maybe a, a prayer to, to this beautiful interview so that, you know, it, it may touch people in, in the right space? Well, I believe that we are all in this journey together and uh, that we, we just have to keep looking out for people that we can work with to uh, contribute to this ever advancing civilization. Um, Baha'is are doing it all over the world. And if anyone wants to contact them and join them, because we work with others, it's not about us doing for ourselves, it's us working with others for the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's the only way that we can advance together to that uh, place of peace and justice and unity. And uh, that's what I, I hope every, every one of your uh, listeners and viewers are on a journey to do. Um, so I'll, I'll end it there. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for being on Green Planet, Blue Planet. Thank you. Thank you, Julian. Pleasure. Thanks for listening and here we are again. This is your host Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. 
Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three months program. And this discount applies for all one-on-one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one in small coaching groups online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request, I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show, or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website, that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships, and mention the end of episode discount, and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now. It's 808. That's right, that's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend. (laughs) 